0: Well, that's what I was saying about the community. You know, like they want to, just like the better, the best bread is in your local, uh, you know, bakery, and, you know, your best, you know, meat is at your local butcher shop, and then your best beer is at your local breweries.
1: <laughs> right. It is. It is. It's like uh, the neighborhood pub.
2: Right. Exactly. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on the road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your host Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Who is a joke?
1: You can't start with a joke if you don't have a joke. And you do not have good jokes, so don't start with a joke.
2: I don't have jokes. How about if I start with this then? I can say welcome to the second in our series of podcasts where we've partnered up with Malt Year at Malting Company, and we're highlighting some amazing craft breweries for the upcoming American Craft Beer Week. Do you know when that is?
1: That would be in May, like the 10th through the 16th.
2: Good job. So, yeah, I got we're excited cheat with that.
1: sheets, so it helps <laughs> that I have cheat sheets. But
2: then, <laughs> like I said, this is the second in our series. So, if you're interested in the first in our series, that was with Schoolhouse Brewing in Marietta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. So, check them out too, because they're awesome. Um, full disclosure, we haven't been to Schoolhouse yet, but we have some really close friends, our BFFs. We'll see who gets that and laughs. <laughs> or who sends went, us a death threat Who went, who went to Schoolhouse <laughs> Who went to Schoolhouse And they totally vouched for Everything that Thomas and Justin said But this podcast Sorry Schoolhouse is not about Schoolhouse This one is about Sketchbook
1: Sketchbook And sketchbook we're brewing. going
2: a little bit Northwest For mm. Sketchbook A little bit west but north totally North of Chicago we're going a little bit northwest of Atlanta from oh, Schoolhouse. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. sorry, I didn't know where you're going with that.
2: To get to Sketchbook. And yeah, Sketchbook Brewing Company is just outside of Chicago. Um they have two locations, one Evanston and one in S- the village of Skokie. Skokie. But yeah. Cool. I love
1: it's, that it's a village right outside Chicago.
2: Right. There's a village. It's a village. We're talking to Caesar Moran. <laughs> Him and his um, partners wanted to not get lost in the brewery scene of Chicago, so that's why they had initially opened up just north of Chicago.
1: Yeah, and it looks like a pretty cool um, location from what I can tell, you know. I mean, obviously, like we said, the cool thing with the, these Malt Europe interviews that we're doing is that, well, kind of cool, kind of not. <laughs> It's not cool,
2: but it's cool. (laughs) I get it. We
1: get to meet all these cool brewers and breweries and brewery owners, but we haven't been there yet. So I guess in a way that's kind of cool because it adds some more breweries to our hit list of places we want to go. But it's not cool because we have yet to be able to be there boots on the ground and really experiencing it. But we've met some great people. And so So I think think it is going to make it... I love that because then I feel this connection already with these places that I, and the people we're talking to. So I, I just want to be there. So for now, go. yes. So but now f- it's like, for now,
2: stealing, me and words my from, name. stealing words from Christian from Lazarus Brewing in Austin when he said this one time, it makes me think of it. So we're just going to be talking across the aisles and be friends across <laughs> the aisle until we can actually meet up in person. So that's how go. that is. Yeah. So, yeah. So this interview is all about sketchbook brewing. Mm -hmm. Why was it called Sketchbook?
1: Okay. So we, (laughs) funny enough, I'm just going to spill the beans and be transparent here. We forgot to ask that during the podcast. We didn't actually ask Caesar that, but we did ask him later. And he said it's because they always walk around with these little sketchbooks of the things that they want to do with their brewery and everything. And that's been from like day one when they first started building out. So Even today, he said, we still have these little sketchbooks of the things that we want to do because they haven't stopped yet. They're still going to keep going. So
2: This doesn't really give anything away, but do you also know where their favorite places are besides breweries? Hardware stores. Hardware stores. Because <laughs> <laughs> they get to fix everything and all that. So <laughs> I just love that idea of it, too, where he mentioned calls out like hardware stores and all the things that they do to create this um, community space. And um, what a... We're, we're just giving away all kinds of stuff, so we're going to let everybody else talk about... We're going to let Caesar talk about sketchbook brewing. How about that? I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, but you know what was funny is the very first question on the podcast is actually Caesar asking us a question.
1: Oh, where are you at now? Are you in your yeah. RV? <laughs>
2: He's so excited for our travels. It was kind of cool. When he He's asked like, that. you guys are living the dream. Yeah. And it's like, well,
1: okay, yeah, we... And funny enough, though, I mean, when we interviewed him, we were sitting outside of Sedona. So that was pretty cool. Sedona, Arizona is a beautiful place if you haven't been there. Highly recommend it. But... uh, Right now,
2: though, we're sitting um, in a driveway in our parents' house in Denver and it's snowing. So we've definitely changed um, weather and locations. (laughs) But that's okay. That's the joy of living in an RV.
1: And by the time you're listening to this...
2: We'll still be in Denver. you
1: probably still. We'll probably still be in Denver. So there you go, Caesar. You're all updated on where we're at. So Caesar knows where we're at, but nobody knows where Caesar's at, except well, they do know where the where sketchbook is at, but uh, they don't know the story yet. So I think we should probably just turn it over to Caesar and let's roll with it.
2: We should. All right, here's Caesar. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So are
1: you? So let me ask you a question. Are you in, in your RV right now?
2: We are. Here we
1: are. Yes. I mean, you guys, you guys are living the dream.
0: Right. I'm <laughs> I'm sure sure
1: everybody We're in our traveling studio uh, outside Sedona, Arizona.
2: Okay, so basically, what we start with is just how about you tell us your story? Like, how did the brewery get started? The brewery story, basically, is what we want to give know give us
1: your name, your brewery name, and how you got going.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm Caesar Marin, um, and I'm one of the two uh, principals at Sketchbook Brewing Company here in. Uh, we started in Evanston, Illinois, and we all, we now have a second location in Skokie, which is only three and a half, four miles away from the, uh, from the first location. Um, so yeah, we started out about six, almost seven years ago now, uh, just a group of home brewers that, you know, just were sort of, sort of like avid about brewing, uh, all sorts of styles of beer to, to the specification and maybe going a little off to the side and once in a while, um, and, uh, I was, um, before brewing, uh, or, you know, starting a brewery, I was a software engineer. Uh, for a company I was remote work I used to work remotely and then we had uh, we had our first kid who's 11 years old now I'm 12 um, and uh, continued to be a remote worker and uh, that's what allowed me to actually you know tend to the beer if, if, I, if you know for uh, lack of a better term uh, where I would brew on a Saturday at home and then you know I always was on point like every day checking things just like we have to do in a brewery um, and uh, you know at one point I decided like well I just kind of sick of the you know, I guess the corporate world as most of us, most of us w- w- will say that <laughs> All right. All right. and, uh, um, and uh, just hooked up with a couple of uh, other homebrewers from my homebrew club that, uh, you know, were great brewers and had more time in their hand and could do a little sweat equity and found a little location in Evanston, li- literally a tiny location. It was like 1600 square feet, oh, wow. 1800 square feet of brewery space. Uh, there was no tap room back in 2014. Uh, we uh we basically would roll a um, uh, a mobile bar with six steps uh from the wall and you know and this was also in the alley that's why you know you will I'll tell you the name of a couple of the beers that that that, that will kind of connect the dots so people had to come through the alley find a door in the alley uh <laughs> go into a building that was shared with three other tenants um wow. and uh uh and then find us you know either brewing or on thursdays fridays saturday and sundays we were open for a few hours for growler fills only we were able to get a license from evanson at the time uh, to allow us to only give two ounce tasters for free couldn't charge for them and then sell growlers no glasses you know no seating nothing like that um i'll pause for a moment because evanson has a rich history of you know Temp- the Temperance Movement, because it was oh, really? basically the seat of the Temperance, uh, where, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, your, your listeners can, can find a lot more by just typing Evanston, Illinois, and Temperance. Uh, there's a brewery also called Temperance, but uh, but it was also <laughs> dry until much uh, much of the 1970s when uh, one, the first liquor store opened up, and then there was one liquor license was, was given to the very first to a hotel, so they could serve a glass of wine. Uh, I don't think beer was even on the on the, on the on the language there, with a meal, and the meal had to be served first. Uh, what I what I heard from, from people that know a lot of this history, because I'm not from Evanston originally, uh, was that uh, that particular deal or the way that license was given to this uh, hotel was that it had to be, uh, a glass of wine could only be served if a person ordered a full meal. So then they started being smart and moving uh, French fries to the entree part of the menu. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, long, long time ago, obviously things changed a lot. We we're, we were one of the four breweries. Two of them were brew pubs and two breweries in Evanston, um, which is not a lot for a town of like, you know, over 80,000 people with a large university, which is Northwestern,
1: oh, yeah. uh,
0: right on the border of, of Chicago. So, you know, almost any other place you go in the country, there would be probably, you know, 15 breweries. <laughs> yeah, easy. Um, one of the reasons is because it's, you know, Kind of, kind of, intends to get a license. Kind of intends to to go through all of the, uh, you know, all of the legalese to to be able to sell a bomber at the time when bombers were were popular. We couldn't do that either, uh, without asking the council to write a new ordinance to allow a sketchbook, you know, only to sell <laughs> bombers. <laughs> but all in all, they they uh, they in Evanston, they were they were uh, very friendly and very helpful to us. It was just kind of like, what you know some, some things would take like two, three months to to resolve. Um, we, you know, both my partner, Sean Decker and I, um, were the ones brewing for two years while we still had our, whole, our day job. Um, uh, or I did, you know, he still has a day job. Um, and, uh, it was basically like, you know, starting at five thirty in the morning, starting the batch would come in at eight thirty. I would jump to my office, you know, upstairs, upstairs at the ramp at this brewery, uh, in Evanston and, uh, just take my meetings from there and then kind of you know, do what I used to do at home, like go back and forth, uh, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, tend to the, the, the beer, uh, you know, as needed. <laughs> Hold oh, on a, a second. second. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then I decided to, you know, at the time, it was kind of, it was what now, end of 2015. That's when my company was, they were kind of reorganizing a little bit. So they let the team that was remote go. And then I was like, Thank goodness, you know, took <laughs> took a little bit of a severance, which helped me to just kind of get get my both feet wet in the uh, in, in the brewery, uh, which is basically how I live how I live my life right now, basically in the brewery all the time.
1: <laughs> so they kind of gave you that little shove you needed to make the leap. Yeah.
2: Had yeah, you exactly. known, had you known that you were going to make the leap into like full time brewing or that? Well, was-
0: I was already doing that because, but you know. And I don't, I don't think this is a story that is that unique to us. I've seen other breweries, including their names, that that are very much like you know, like well, you know, we brew it at night, or you know, it's a Monday, you know, Monday, or whatever. Um, so you know, I was, I was there basically Saturdays and Sundays, and and and, and until 11 o'clock at night. And um, but uh, <laughs> I hope, um, well, if they do, it doesn't matter too, like any of my previous co-workers. The reality is I was probably working more like five hours in my other job <laughs> instead of eight. <laughs> but it was one of those things that, you know, if, you probably know this because you also work from home in some ways. You end up working all the time. There's no, you know, there's, there's that blur between like, you know, am I working or am I not? To, uh, so no, it, w- it was a little bit forced uh, upon me, if you will. But, uh, but also it was, a, it was a good thing because I needed to give the, the attention that, that the brewery, the business needed. And it was right around that time when we decided to, you know, get a few more tanks uh, and uh, and start, you know, looking at distribution uh, uh, with a distributor to help us move product and and and, and then we got a tap room space uh, on the on the retail side. So now we would have a we had a front to the business uh, in Evanston. Um, so people wouldn't have to come to the alley anymore. And, uh, and It was a 20-seat little tiny tap room that we built with uh, mostly recycled uh, wood from from you know old homes from the area. So it's super cute, still there. Uh, And uh, we're right across the train, uh, one of the the CTA here, the the metro, not the the metro and the CTA in Chicago. So it's a fairly popular place. uh, You know, in the evening when people are getting home, or uh, it's funny on a a snowy or rainy day. It's actually when it fills up like crazy. yeah. All pre-COVID times I'm talking here. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and then it was, uh, you know, it was, was around uh, the end of 16 or so that we realized that we, you know, we had no place, no way to grow unless we found another space with uh, with enough, uh, enough, you know, square footage. So we were looking for about two years and found that we didn't want to go that far. Uh, so Chicago was not out of the question, but we didn't really want to, you know, be just another brewery in Chicago. We right. wanted to be somewhat unique as well. Uh, so we talked to the village of Skokie, where I am right now, and uh, they were super excited of, you know, we, we had proven our concept. We had been in Evanston for a few years already. And most of the people in the village hall had been to our tap room and uh, they were super excited to and helped us tremendously through, you know, tenant improvements and whatnot uh, that kind of help uh, to get, you know, our space all worked uh and and we now we have a so we started with a seven barrel brew house making um i think if i i'll say correct i think it was about 400 barrels the first year and then 800 the second year and then 1600 the third and fourth and then we were contract brewing um and now we're doing all this in house in a 20 barrel brew house plus the one in evans is still there specialty projects
1: wow that's and, a lot of growth in just a few short years. right right
0: <laughs> yeah we, we like to say that we, we we still are very organic in the growth so mm-hmm. every year it's been like you know almost it feels like it's been doubling every year um our i mentioned our 20 20 seater tap room in evanston we ran that for two and a half years until we then expanded that tap room to 100 seats and then the one in skokie now has 280 you know basically 280 person uh Someone's
2: happy,
1: and somebody there is very excited that you're in (laughs) Scotty.
0: Well, and and one one of I mean, you know, one of the things that happened is like obviously we had all this project uh, running, uh, going for the expansion in uh, late, you know, late '19, uh, Mm -hmm. with our equipment in order, and and 2020 Mm -hmm. January, our equipment was ready to be shipped, and then boom, right, And, and then the, but we, there was no turning back. There was absolutely no turning back. In fact. Um, in some ways uh the uh the whole covid situation uh made uh, you know I can speak for myself made me accelerate that and go like you know I need this done now you know like we're I was here daily every day um pushing the contractors to get things done as efficiently and fast as possible because I just wanted I don't know either, I didn't know what was going to happen so either let's finish you know in a month or <laughs> and yeah. we uh, we were able to we broke ground um you know, we broke the concrete here. We didn't have to do that ton of work, but we, you know, we, there was a lot of concrete work that had to be done. That was uh, they cut the concrete in jan- late January, and then we brewed our first batch in June, wow. 2000. So a it was pretty quick. Turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a uh, maybe it's my previous job. I don't know. I think it's just myself, but uh, I'm I'm crazy about efficiency. So if I'm not doing something all the time,
1: uh, okay. <laughs> so, so what did what what did that look like for you? I mean, opening up during this whole COVID situation. I mean, did, did you did it push you in directions you didn't intend to go, and you know how did um, things kind of fall into place?
0: Yeah, it, it was it was scary. You know, I mean, it was one of those things that we yeah. you know I I did, and I know my partner did too. We we thought like you know if we hadn't already had all this you know the, the lease signed and, and rent starting you know starting to pay rent in April of two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, we would probably say no. Let's can the project right until later. Uh, but we were so entrenched in it that um, that we, you know, it was was kind of a scary thing. Like kind of like you know, driving in a I guess in a foggy night, or you don't really know what's in front of you. Uh, you just hope for the best.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, I think a couple of things that helped was uh, was a a, a, you know, a lot of help from the village. You know, not, not only have they helped with with um, the construction cost, uh, which was all to the to the building because we're making the building a lot better and it's part of the, the downtown area, uh, okay. but just knowing that they were so, you know, behind the project that uh, I, at least I felt the whole time that you know they're, they're not going to let this fail, you know, if, if it's if it's a question of time, which which it is with with the pandemic, uh, and they they've they've come across uh, all of that, so they've been super helpful in in, in terms of you know, getting things getting getting from From getting our certificate of occupancy to start brewing in in, in June to the taproom opening to, you know, to renting, they rented food trucks for the restaurants in in the area, just basically gave them them the food truck to use here at the brewery, which helped them, the restaurants, and helped us to attract more people in here with zero cost, you know, to them and to us. Um, Now, did it take us in different directions? Um, And it's also pretty typical. or other breweries, it took us in a lot more packaging than, than we were anticipating before. Right. Um, because all of a sudden our, our volume in the tap room, which was all you know draft, in beer drunk on site, uh, was near zero, right? uh, yeah. and uh, so we, we, we had to you know, basically be more efficient in packaging and run, hunt for more cans out there, because cans are another issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's
1: probably still an issue right now, it sounds like everybody's still...
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think it, it, it would have been possibly worse if we were in, in the same small location in Evanston, because we didn't have a spot to put in, you know, 50,000 cans when I find some, you know, I purchase all of them. <laughs> right. Now we have the space to put it. Put in here.
1: So right, you couldn't fill your tap room with people, so you filled it with cans. <laughs> so can. Can. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, we uh, w- One of the things that's very unique about Sketchbook as well is uh, we have a. Uh, we started out calling ourselves a community-supported brewery for many reasons. One is we wanted to put a brewery in a place where it was part of the community, not just a brewery somewhere, you know, 10 miles from downtown. Uh, so we were, you know, in a small place in Evanston. That was the whole reason, to, almost like a, a small cafe, if you will. Uh, or coffee shop. And uh, um, so we started out in 2014 with a uh, a CSB or community supported brewery program. So people would, could only fill growlers at the time. So people would actually purchase, you know, a six month membership or a 12 month membership, one or two growler fills a month. And we would get, we would get the cash infusion right away. And then they felt like they are part of the, part of the whole process, part of the brewery. uh, And uh, you know, Participating in any and most of the events that we had, um, had first dibs and all the beer that we made, and that program started with about 120 to 150 people in in at uh, the beginning in in, four, in 2014, and now we have over 600 people. Wow! Um, and so we, we 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 always kept kept growing that. So that's one of the things that actually um, during the pandemic, uh, the beginning of the shutdown here in Illinois, which was. Well, the first shutdown, I should say, which was right around March, April. Um, you know, people were home. Uh, I, I like to say that every day was a Friday,
1: <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so,
0: so we we were just selling. You know, we actually sold dollar amount. We sold more than we were selling before, and uh, beer to go. You know, because we had packaged products. We had the growler and the growler program. Uh, it was kind of fun, t- fantastic to see some people. Just like you know, once in a while, we'd get an order for. 10 or 12 growlers and you know, wow. it scratched my head and we were doing some deliveries at the time. Um, it scratched my head and go like, you know, do they know that growlers are not supposed to, you know, stick around for more than a day or two? Oh yeah. You know, they're oh, yeah. giving it to the neighbors. So oh, okay. basically these people were just ordering 10 or 12 as a drop point and then, you know, they're handing out to the neighbors because a few weeks later we'd get a similar order for an address two houses down. So they're kind <laughs> of like swapping. <laughs> okay so it's kind of like you know one of those things that kind of brought people together more than than maybe otherwise in some ways
2: so along those lines um because one of the questions we wanted to ask you too is like and you've already pretty much answered that is covid has been a challenge definitely one of the easiest words to use (laughs) just like a challenge and you've found ways to look at it more of a positive impact what other impacts have you seen from covid via like a positive way
0: i mean what i think a big one was, was you know, we are, we as a small local business, we're already, you know, kind of taking advantage, of, but uh, doing well because people want to be more part of the local community, right? Per, you know, oh, shopping man. local, experiencing local, you know, and uh, this just got, you know, much bigger. I mean, it exacerbated uh, that local, the, you know, uh, sort of nature to it. So we, we started seeing a lot more, uh, a lot more people, you uh, just spending their dollars you know in our in our, in our spot as opposed to to uh, going to a uh store or, or buying their beer at the grocery store i mean they did too because we noticed our increasing sales on, on the grocery store uh but it was just a you know amounts you know that that we'd never seen before in terms of people walking out with a case or two or three cases of beer some people doing that weekly wow. <laughs> so, uh uh the um as far as you know one of the things that i that i, that I hope it continues to happen uh, year after year was some of the um uh, antiquated beer laws that are around every state's a little different yeah. we're not we're not allowed to ship beer to the consumer in illinois uh, it's sort of like a protection to retailers in some ways uh, that got relaxed and hopefully you know we're our our brewers guild is actually uh, fighting to make that into legislation so we're able to do that uh it's not a huge part of the business but it gives a, another sort of you know uh, venue out there to uh, avenue I should say out there to get our product in, in consumers hands um, and uh, Evanston as a as a town that you know has been sort of not so sure about allowing alcohol in a lot of places for a long time um, kind of loosened up a little bit and allowed us to and other places restaurants to actually use the street use a park you know, adjacent mm-hmm. to your business. To create an outdoor area for people, uh, so we actually took a space across the street from our from our spot in Evanston, and put about nine or ten tables there, and people just loved it. You know, they just neighbors loved it because it was it was a it's a park that doesn't get used very much. You know, it's a small, tiny little grass area, patch of grass, and all of a sudden there was you know the very first beer garden in Evanston. Uh, oh, we already got customers. Our people saying like, "Are you going to do it again this this year?" And we're, right. we're waiting to see if Evanston's going to bring it back. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I think I saw a little bit of an acceleration of loosening up in in some some areas where where you know the town was not really sure how it would pan out, and that this just happened um, because of COVID and us being shut down.
2: Yeah, Good. I was gonna say so along the lines of like maybe seeing antiquated beer laws decreasing a little bit and just kind of going out the window where else do you see the future of craft beer heading not not i suppose it is now going to be post-covid but not just post-covid but where do you see it going right
0: um i so that that's a hard question because i I don't you know part of me thinks that it's not going to change much but part of me is also like well there's going to be more of this local uh, people people uh consumers really trying to give back to who stuck around who uh those places that were were responsible <laughs> mm-hmm. uh we get a lot of feedback on that too that we were responsible we shut down when we felt we should shut down uh we opened with even you know uh more I would say restrictions but uh but safer rules than 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 than, than even put out there by by uh by the CDC just spacing and you know airflow and all that um so i think that's going to be a big a big deal uh, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, don't think we're out of the weeds yet. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of places out there that have been hurting, uh, a lot and, uh, uh you know, they've been spending the dollars that they got from the government, including us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we're hopeful now that things are starting to get back to, to normal, but, uh, but, uh, there's, there's a, I think there's a lot of debt out there that some places are that, that hung out until now may not be able to hang out for much longer. Um, and with that, I think that's kind of, also changed people's percep- perception of like oh you know we had I don't know I just throw a number there like we had a hundred brews around us now there's only eighty. Yeah, uh, that right. said, I haven't seen a lot of brewery closures. I mean, I think a lot of them were small businesses that were able to kind of you know navigate with with the flow and and uh, and be smart enough to to uh, uh, to survive you know, with with a very low <laughs> income, if you will. Yeah.
1: I think that's kind of normal for a lot of breweries in the first place is that especially small tap room focused breweries, you kind of work with a pretty light crew in the first place. You know, you, you know, owning the place, you wear a lot of hats. You're not just, you don't get to just be the brewer. So.
0: (laughs) exactly, Uh, And yeah, and and I would say to to that point, I mean, relationships are probably going to come back being more important than they were before. Uh, You know, we always like to say that, you know, I mean, not all, but I've heard both ways that, you know, you can have that relationship with a, with a bar uh, or uh, the, the owner or the, uh, the beer buyer somewhere, but there's so many of us that, you know, you can't, like a, a great place in Chicago, you can't have a relationship with all your 180 brewers that come over and say, I'm going to buy from all of you because I love all of you. No, it's, it, you know, there's a point in time you, you, know, you only have 20 taps. Um, but I think that's going to become more, more important as you as you see places that are that you know have helped each other Uh, either getting a keg of beer uh, that they couldn't serve because they shut down and bringing it back here and uh, you know because we were able to put in growlers Um, we did that with our with our distributor with a couple of the bars Um, and uh, just just you know that kind of relationship I think is going to become incredibly important too as as we move, move forward
1: do you see that same like strengthening the relationship idea carrying over to like your brewery in relation to other breweries around the area too that maybe there's a even stronger tie and and being you know you're always competitive but you're still the brewing community seems to work together a lot and then along those same lines also with like your suppliers and the people you work with do you see those relationships all the, those are going to be even stronger now coming out of something like this that brought everybody together.
0: I think so. Um and you're right. I mean that is was already very strong um you know and I'm sure it changed, it's different in, in, in every every state but uh but uh, I haven't seen any other other way. I haven't I haven't seen any place uh or talked to any brewery that said, "Oh, you know, we're we're competitors, we don't like that other brewery." Um right. Uh, so we, we and in, here in the Chicagoland, we've been pretty tight already with, you know, with just sharing resources or uh, one of the best stories that I've heard is like, you know, a brewery that lost one of their brewers uh, all of a sudden, and then two other breweries just kind of lent a hand by giving an employee to go continue brewing at their brewery until they found somebody else. I mean, wow. that that's kind of like unheard of, right? I mean it's Yeah. Of, a little different than giving a bag of grain and like, oh, you need a bag of grain or 11 pounds of hops. There you go. So this is oh, like, you know, sending a resource there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, am I love to share, you know, stories and, uh, or happy stories with, with my fellow, you know, breweries out here too. Like, and if I get, if I'm, if I'm enjoying, uh, uh, getting, uh, you know, a monetary value of my silo, because we started a brew with a silo here and, and I, I like to share with other people and not just hold it to myself. So I, you know, there's another brewery here near us. And they've been here a couple of times. I said, "You got You got to get a silo now. Like here, come take a look because your you, your cost of your grains are going to go lower and now. You can compete better." And so this, I think, this will continue. Um, it may be exacerbated now because we are we've been sort of you know alone for so long. You know, quarantined in some ways, working at work, but not really going to places, visiting other places as much. I think as soon as people feel comfortable, there's going to be a lot of that going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. even more so than before
2: speaking of greens and you know that how have how has like malt europe and other vendors how have you guys found each other's supporting each other or how have they been supporting you or back at them
0: uh i mean i i you know we started working with Malt europe uh as we started this location right here in skokie um and uh i've you know it's been it's been great you know and, and one of the big things is because they're so local and i i can i can talk to them today and then i don't expect it but then they'll my my shipment will be here tomorrow. Wait,
2: <laughs> they're not in Europe.
0: Malt Europe, um, <laughs> <I'm all European. laughs> right? right? <laughs> no, that, that has confused some people. That I, I remember reading when I was choosing uh, a, a you know a, a malt a maltster. Um, it was some people were like, oh, "Aren't they huge? Because they're this conglomerate." And it's like, "Oh no, actually they're not. <laughs> they're farm owned." <laughs> so, um, no, I think one of the things that struck me it made made me like really trust the relationship that it was uh, was when they brought us me and my my brewer um, to i think it was two years ago now uh to uh their harvest day and uh you know we were not even a customer yet and we were yeah. so welcome yeah. and you know it was a whole day and they were serious about it It wasn't just let's go party and drink a bunch of beer and here's hats and shirts no it was it was essentially like you know here's you're gonna go through five hours of or four hours of coursework you know yeah sort of, you know, 30 minutes here. And I was like, yeah, this is serious. You know, I can, uh, <laughs> cause that, that's one of the reasons I got into brewing too, is, uh, is I, the part that I like about it is the process, the science, uh, more, more so even than, 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 than enjoying the beer in the end. Um, yeah. and, uh, so when I saw how, how serious they are about, I mean, they should be obviously, uh, about what they do, uh, there was no, no question about it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, from, from having, um, a consistent product to, to you know so far uh, great great you know customer relationship um, we recently had our silo um, the the bottom discharge is a, was a was a polypropylene uh, piece that broke and before we would you know, we could lose much uh, i was like well i'm going to empty the empty the silo and fix it and nicole was like yeah you know if you need anything let us know so we got grains and bags like you know almost next day just to make sure that we could patch ourselves for 2 weeks until we got it fixed and, so this is kind of like helping each other out, which is which is really. really
1: yeah, that's really cool. Yeah.
0: Um, and then you know another another great story I have here is a, our our supplier of cans, a small very small uh, sleeve suppliers. Uh, so he, he actually buys the cans, buys the sleeves, and all he does is put the two together and then ships it to us. Tremendous help for smaller breweries because if you have like us, we have like twelve different products, eighteen different products. You know we can't have all of those printed cans. Uh, so if we need, you know, 3,000 cans for this product, we order it and it's here. Uh, a lot of times those companies are huge and you're, you're so small to them, we're nothing. So this guy uh, from BevRap, he, uh, yeah, it, was like, it was again one of those feelings I felt like when he came over to visit a few years ago, I was like, I feel great about this, you know, this small operation happening. and. Um, and now, you know, he will tell me, it's like, you know, it's because of you, I, you know, I, I got 20 more customers uh, out of state because I would actually share with other breweries and say, like, look, you know, we all have trouble with cans. This guy can do it.
1: Hmm. Right. he <laughs> I mean, can get a and- you
0: know, They'll ship the cans to you. It doesn't matter how much you need. Um, so that was kind of like one of those things, too, is like really kind of relationship based. and
1: Cool. Yeah.
2: Awesome. So Good story. there What are some of your breweries or yours, like major accomplishments or, you know, credentials, awards, something like that. That's, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Just some milestones along the way for you. Yeah. Guys.
0: I mean, we, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we have a few things. I mean, one of our, uh, um, uh biggest selling beers uh, is a, is a hazy IPA. It's obviously, but it wasn't, <laughs> I say obviously because now everyone has a hazy IPA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when hazy IPAs were making their, their, their sweep, uh, throughout you know, to the country east to west, um, People in the mid in the Midwest we're not so sure. So there was a project by another brewery and restaurant that said, like, yeah, let's make this new era IPA for a, for a festival. And we made a small batch, and then I decided to you know, bottle six bottles with a handwritten label and send it off to a Draft Magazine, and they picked it as one of the you know 19 best beers that they drank that year. Um, which kind of jumped jumped us to making it in a, you know full blown uh, you know at least for our size uh, production, and it's been it's been you know our number one. Uh, Alongside our, our, our West Coast IPA, uh, which is more typical IPA uh, for good four years now, uh, and it you know there's no doesn't seem to be any end in sight. <laughs> so people love it. It's like a easy five percent, you know, very very fruity, not not hoppy or not bitter like like supposed to be. Um, so that's one of them. Uh, you know, we uh, we send things here and there. We don't do we haven't done a lot of big, you know gbf kind of competitions uh very much i i am a judge uh i haven't judged much but i'm a a beer judge and uh and you know it's just one of those things that there's a love and hate relationship with with judging because right now you know there's what 400 500 different you know entries on on an ipa category and it's so hard you know it's one of those things that all of them are great and the, the difference between like maybe it was the first one or the last one that the judges, you know, there's, there's some merit to that too, but uh, it's, it's really dif- difficult to, to be uh, objective. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. To get it down to three, the three best out of four or 500 is a tough right, score. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's all that palate fatigue. And you know, I, 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 judge, at, I judge at Fobab as well. And it's just like, you know, by the time you're, you're done with like three or four of those really big stouts, it's like, I don't even know what's going on. Anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It's like, laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's almost like the one with the most stuff in it wins because right. It's <laughs> in your face. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: it's complexity. We you
0: know we got we got a few uh, and then we have a few other beers that you know like some of our Belgian beers we do we mostly for the tap room but we do a a, a triple a a, a, a Belgium double uh, and a black saison so some of those got some pretty high scores on, on again draft magazine and, and, and the beer connoisseur or the wine connoisseur that judges beers <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, hu- humble in many ways. We like to we like to keep our community supported sort of like nature and and it's it's what sells the most in the tap room that we we, we give more 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 points to. You know, if our customers love it. We're gonna keep doing it.
2: What so? What is your brewery basically known for? When people think of Sketchbook, what do they generally think of?
0: Um, Orange Door. Orange which Door, our, which is our IPA. Okay, okay. Um it was also the named after the door in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: it. That's awesome.
2: And I knew there had to it be
0: a
1: reason
2: like
0: that. for that name. <laughs> yeah. Well we have well like I said, we have a lot of names. Back alley is another beer and then no parking because we couldn't allow anybody to park in the alley. We have to be the police. <laughs> um, according to the village. So we have a few others that uh, that uh kind of are, are you know kind of show our local locale, if you will. Uh, but yeah, Orange Door is, is uh, you know, known by people that know us here pretty well, um, and the sufficient Clearance, which is our, our uh, hazy IPA. Um, and, uh, but I think most, uh, mostly is, is the fact that they come over here and they know there's something new every couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And we like to always either bring something back or, and it's not all a plethora of hazy IPAs or, you know, like only a bunch of double dry hop IPAs. I mean, we, our menu of IPAs is basically two or three. And the other 15 beers are, you know, you're gonna always find you're gonna find one or two lagers, you're gonna find two or three uh, Belgians, you're gonna find a couple of dark beers. Um, I love historic beers, so we make a Gurgiskia, uh in the summer.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, that was in terms of merit uh, or, or accolades, that was one thing that kind of jumped me, got me jump started on the on the, on the brewing in 2014. Was uh, I, I won the Sam Adams uh, contest? The uh, the, uh, long shot back then, okay, with that Gorjiska recipe, uh, which really? is a smoked polo beer at about 3.8 percent.
2: Can you tell <laughs> us more about the contest? Like, what is uh, they probably-
0: I think they change it quite a bit now, but yeah. they uh they ran it for many years, uh, where they would uh they would take um they would choose two uh entries, uh, they would pick two from a national competition, so competition go from. You know, each state that participated down to a you know, then those who won each state they would they would actually um, uh, judge it in in Boston, um, uh, and uh, and then they would pick two winners from basically that nationally, and then one from a, an internal competition that they did with their employees. Okay.
1: So and this, then
0: the, this is for yeah, homebrewers. This is for homebrewers, correct? Yes, it was a nat- it was more of a national kind of homebrew competition. Right. Then it would take they would they would build a six pack two, uh, two beers from each of the national winners and then two beers from the internal employee winner. So you know, and then the four pack. If you if you Google it, uh, you know, long shot 2013 or 14, you see my picture on the one of the three with the picture on the on the bottle and the picture on the on the four pack. Um, and uh, that 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 went pretty well. You know, we we visited a bunch of different places. Uh, I got to to meet Jim cook you know and, and and then followed up years later and judged with him a couple more times uh, but it gave us it gave us a lot of credit for once you know when we were just starting that like oh okay you know if Sam Adams picked your recipe to sell nationally then <laughs> you must know what you're doing yeah
1: <laughs> right right yeah I'm sure it's got open getting, really we learned
0: <laughs> in the way along the way
1: <laughs> it's got open a few doors make makes some of the business aspects a little easier I'm sure when you say hey uh, you know, I won this competition with Sam Adams right, Boston right. Beer, and it's like
0: eh,
1: biggest. Yeah, no, and I remember taking pepper. advantage of it
0: full full blown by blown by uh, by contacting the the rep from Boston Beer Company and say like, hey, you know, I'd I'd love to go and do tastings everywhere, and they're like, okay, so we, yeah. we went to like twenty different stores, and and then I I was there with my card, and by the
1: way, we're opening a brewery. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course.
2: Not that I really want to bring it back to COVID quite. Really, but I want to ask one more question before we head up to talking more about fun beer things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so every brewery has its challenge, doesn't matter what time period it is, or you know whether it's 2008 or 2020. Do you, would you say something like last year? What was one of your biggest challenges, and was it related to COVID or not?
0: Um, well, I mean, before COVID, some of our biggest challenges were were really growing pains. You know, we, we couldn't really grow. Uh, you know, we we're always like, you know, short on, short on, on cash, you know, so was, mm-hmm. but that's, that's, I think it's a lot of stories that you hear out there.
2: Yep. Um, yep.
0: I mean, it's either that or people started with a lot of cash, but then it, you know, then they, they can't pay for everything because you, know, you don't have the sales to. to and then
2: correct. they're still short on cash. <laughs> and cash
0: again. Right, right. Yeah. Uh I, I think so far COVID is, you know, the COVID was the biggest challenge and the unknowns and the, uh, you know, we, we were really trying to hold tight on all of, all of our employees. We did for the most, for most of, of it. Um, and uh, it was just, you know, just a, it's a weird, uh, you know, in a weird way is like it was, it was, I wouldn't say like three or four times more work with, you know, three or four times less, um, you know, getting less back. <laughs> right because um, it was always in our heads like the, the ever-changing like do we do, are we doing this right or, or wrong you know that was the, the biggest thing like, you know, our, our, for us for us uh, there was a lot of questions um like should we stay open because the state says you can stay open do we not stay open do we you know do we do we continue you know brewing with our employees or do we, do we send them home i mean it was it was a balancing act that was that was kind of incredible to uh, to navigate, and so far, very lucky. No one, no one here contracted the virus. Um, you know, I think I think the message was loud and clear from everywhere around us, and, and leadership, and our both of our towns, uh, Evans and Skokie, have very low uh, have always been with very low uh, positivity rate, which is which is good. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it's all it, it was kind of like left to right, you know, top bottom, so challenging every single time. And, um, and in and, and, and our sort of idea that we wanted to keep pushing this forward because you know we were we have here we are with a new a new tap room and a large patio outside and you know we're actually in the in the building phase and not not sort of like in a way to just close and, and, and don't and then cut costs because a lot of places when they were able to do they just said I'm not going to do anything because that way I don't have to pay for you know as much electricity or don't pay for employees but we're, we're sort of like on the you know on the on the on the, on the birth of, of the second location so we have to have to keep that positivity going but always thinking in the back like are we doing the right thing so that was that was probably the most challenging part of it second guessing itself, yeah.
2: hopefully it seems like you're coming through it yeah right, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good um what so what beers are on the horizon now what are you brewing recently most recently now
0: you know, March, March is when we all start talking, right? It's like the we start hearing the birds and the bunnies are outside and then the brewers are brewing fun beers because it's not the dead of winter anymore. <laughs> At least I think that way. Um, we're now that some of the places that are reopening, a lot of places reopening, we're kind of again, yet again, kind of catching up a little bit, sending beer out to, to bars and restaurants that are, that are reopening with, with a, with a foot, you know, a foot back as well because we don't know how long it's going to take for them to, uh, to uh, to sell those kegs, but we're hopeful. Um, and then, kind of, you know, we're seeing a lot more people coming out of the tap room. Um, we're still six feet apart and all that, but uh, you know, we're we're seeing a lot more volume, which is which is very welcoming. And then, just all of a sudden, go like, yeah, we need more beer. We need more variety. Um, and uh, uh, so, I got like what do we get. We got I got a, a Schwartz beer in the in the on the schedule. Uh, two two different uh you know the, the one the beer you see on, on my poster on the on the background is our double hazy uh that we do with uh you know with one rotating hop every time so mm. we're we're working with uh with lotus uh hops the next next version so that's that's going to be fun and uh, exciting and a couple of sour beers uh, uh fruit yet to be named i don't know yet <laughs> I, like go, I like to go find something that you know it, it's uh it's it's the right time of the year for it <laughs> right. Uh, right. so we're gonna we're gonna put out a couple of uh sour uh, fruited beers out there soon um a couple of belgians we have our triple and our, our double kind of already in rotation but we're gonna we're gonna bring it back up um we have a there's a company really close to us that works with um uh, fermentation but not the one you can imbibe in they basically uh, ferment uh, uh, CO2 and 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 sulfur and other gases into ethanol. Okay, which is fantastic. Uh, it's called lunzatech and they love beer. They're a bunch of like New Zealanders and Europeans that, that are all here in Skokie, literally like three-minute walk from us um, through the uh, through a path that we have here. So they already collaborated with us on a beer, and uh, they have a second recipe coming uh, where we're going to collaborate on the recipe and. The first one we did was a uh, was a uh, New Zealand saison. We use a New Zealand hop, and, and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they basically bought the entire batch almost, and really? gave it to their employees. And now they're going to do something very similar. It's like everyone got three four packs or something like
2: that. <laughs> wow,
1: nice! I like that kind of employer thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Send me a four-pack. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's
0: a kind of a fun collaboration uh, that we're, you know, it seems like they want to do this four times a year now,
1: which is incredible. <laughs> we're in. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Are you
2: going to be brewing anything specifically for American Craft Beer Week, or do you know yet?
0: Don't know yet, but uh, it's, it's on, we're already thinking of, you know, of a Juneteenth project, and it would be a beer for that. And, uh, yeah, we're pretty sure going to brew a couple of different beers for it. Craft, you know, American Craft Beer Week, uh, the whole idea of, of festivals have been so like, you know, we don't know. I know. right? We don't know. We don't know what, what's going to be. Um, in some ways, the Chicago area had so many festivals that were some great and some were just manufactured because, you know, these companies yeah. wanted to have a festival. right? In charge right. For a ticket. So I'm kind of glad that we, we're kind of going to baseline it again and, and wipe out maybe some of the ones that were not very good.
1: <laughs> kind of like reset the festival palette. <laughs> right. but the
0: reason, I, exactly. But the reason I bring that up is because we do have a couple of really large um, uh, and known festivals here: uh, Beer on the Glass, which is usually at the end of American Craft Beer Week here, or around the same time. Uh, and that drives a lot of, you know, a lot of what this kind of innovation helps. So it's not only in the tap room. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, in the past, we really didn't have enough room to to invite you know, more than the people we, we could accommodate in our tap room. So now it's a different story. So it's it's all new to us, to be honest. You know, now we could say, well, we can have a, a band playing outside and for three days or for four days and have 500 people here. Before it was just like you know, 30, 40 people. Basically our, our block, our locals in Evanston filled up the place all the time. Um, so that's gonna be, it's gonna be a little different. yeah. Depending on, again, depending on how how safe it is and how well vaccinated the population is. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to, I want to ask about this, I've been wanting to for a while. So on your website, it says, I love the statement, like you spend a lot of time at hardware stores. And it's like right before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Both my, my business partner and I, uh, um, I guess it's the, the idea, I mean, the, the thing I mentioned before, I don't, I always like to be doing something. So I'm, if I'm not doing something at home, uh, you know I have to be doing something here fixing or making something or you know whatever. We 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 made all of our tables and we, my dad and I built the the bar and the tap room here now in Skokie, which is not small, it's a like really large bar. <laughs> we yeah. just built all of it. Um uh and that that's that's why this this is mentioned in there. Like we're always at you know we're always at the uh I mean I think I, I just pulled this out of my pocket to screw because I need to go to the <laughs> store today to get a lock nut for the candy line. Um <laughs> I think it comes with the business too. Um, you know, we—I feel like I need to know how everything works so I can fix when something breaks, so we're not down, and my employees are just stuck in and you know, don't know what to do, and <laughs> the hours are ticking. So.
2: <laughs> I, I just like that transparency there, and how that was a piece of like the brewery story, um, <laughs> along with you know the beer's art, beer's community too. I just the, the way that all came right. together, and then you also mentioned like the farmers and. Um, yeah so it's just a great piece of another thing that I think your brewery is totally known for
0: yeah yeah no that's that, that that's a that's a fun it's a fun fun product fun part of it is a project I think it continues to be a project my if you were to talk to my, my business partner I me mean, a, a, a couple of years ago he, or even, even now he might say like no, the, the brewery was for him when I invited him to start the business with me it was a it was like for him it was an art project for me, it was, I really wanted to transition into something else, you know, to be part of my career.
1: Mm-hmm. For him,
0: it was like, you know, I, this is an art project where he, he still, he always has ideas of like, you know, install, art installations in the brewery and and his wife is a, is a painter. So, like, you know, we went up, up there the other day, installed all the lights and put, uh, you know, a big logo that she drew by hand. Oh. Uh, so that, you know, it still is for them. A big part of it is, is kind of like, that, that makers kind of kind of thing. it. Yeah,
2: okay. no, that's cool. Okay, we got two more and they're fun. You ready? All right. All right, so what's All right. your favorite beer style and why? Just style, don't pick one.
0: <laughs> Belgian beers.
1: Belgian? You can
2: call
1: that style. Yeah. yeah. They kind um, of carve their own little niche.
0: Yes, and uh, I guess and it, and it goes with the with the, the other question uh, that you might, well, I'm anticipating your question. Yes, you are. If I were, if I were a beer, um, read your emails.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's good. So many people who um, send emails, they don't read anything. So yeah. So, <laughs> if, 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 you see, your favorite beer style is Belgian. The the love the question that we love to ask and people love to have ahead of time because it's a tough one is like if you were a beer, what beer would you be?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be a Belgian beer uh, because you know I I I'd, I'd, I'd be different. You know, with with the weather, I'd be different in the summer than in the winter. <laughs> yeah. My fermentation profile would lend different flavors and characteristics. <laughs>
2: okay, so how do you act in the winter? I could be spicy sometime. I could be <laughs> some other times. <laughs> I like it. You got a little funky.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: It's <laughs> a good way to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, be very, I'd
0: be very cuddly and warm in the winter. Like more of a, a big quad.
1: <laughs>
2: big quad. <laughs> I like that. So you describe yourself as more of a big quad than a big teddy bear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but on the other hand, I am from Brazil originally, so I love I – love, you know, just tropical flavors, fruit. You know, like yeah, you know, it, it was how I grew up. You know, just picking mangoes from a tree and eating it right there. You know, so, so that, you know, in this, so that's why I meant March, April, May. That's when I started thinking like, ooh, what can I get my hands on and you know, bring bring some of those flavors, uh, to, uh, you know, to to beer. Yeah. That's that's great.
1: So, being from Brazil, how long how long did you live in Brazil before you moved to the United States?
0: Uh I came to the US when I was eighteen, so that that was oh, okay. twenty four years ago now. yeah, yeah.
1: Has that uh, oh. do you think your background growing up in in Brazil and South America has influenced you a lot on how you approach your brewery and your brewing in the United States or has it been much important? Yeah, I
0: think I, I think so, but uh, maybe not so much but, well yes, um, my my parents own a business there, so I grew up in a, in a business, so very much a small independent always doing everything. So that was the DIY, always at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was growing up with my dad, you know, he still does a bunch of stuff all the time. Um, and, uh, and I think that independence, because, you know, when I came here, it was just, I, the la- the language barrier is so huge. Still, I came in for uh, as an exchange student and, and, and then, you know, for college, but there's still so much, you know, of that language barrier that, um, that I had to, I feel like I had to fend for myself all the time. Right? I didn't know who to call. There was no one to call.
1: Mm-hmm. There
0: was no mom and dad to call because they didn't know how things worked. <laughs> right. right. Yeah.
2: So you learned it. I like it. it. Yep. It. Same thing with the we're
0: we're going to learn it. You know. what, I, what we don't know, we'll learn. <laughs> yep.
1: Well, then you fit perfectly in the brewing world because a lot of brewers come with that similar background of coming from home brewing and then stepping up to that pro level and when you do that there's a lot of figuring things out
0: you know there is yeah. absolutely yeah and it's almost an everyday thing yeah there's always something to figure out <laughs>
2: cool yeah I, I think we're good if you have anything else you want to add or
0: well that's what i was saying about the community you know like they want to just like the better the best bread is in your local brewery, uh, you know bakery and you know your best you know meat is at your local butcher shop and then your best beer is at your local breweries
1: <laughs> right it is. It is. It's like uh, the neighborhood pub,
0: right? Exactly. All right.
1: <laughs> all right. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. So Bye. Take care, Caesar.
2: On that ending, when Caesar was talking about, that, well, you just heard it because we're at the very end of it. But he, when he was talking about like the best breads come from the local bakery or you know the best beers come from your local brewery and mm-hmm. all that, um, and it's totally true. If 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 you stay kind of local, you're going to get more of the best quality of things. And oftentimes we seem to forget that in our rush to just get things done and we forget the whole process of it. So while our big, you know, grocery stores and stuff like that are quite convenient, um, sometimes it's better to just slow down and wander into a farmer's market on a, you know, weekday morning or Saturday, Sunday, and take time to smell the flowers that, tip, you know, cliche, but it's totally true, or wander into your brewery your local brewery, wherever that may be, and just take the time to sip on a pint of beer and get to know the community just by watching the community. There's just something kind of intimate about that, and that's what Sketchbook seems to be about with, like, the art and the science, you know, and the community. It all comes together.
1: Well, and to me, like, I love the little places like that because it's—that's where you— you know, I mean, you, you you have people in your local, you know, supermarkets and stuff, the bigger stores that you go to that you probably know, if, especially if you're in a smaller community or, you know, you're always at the same place in your neighborhood. But a lot of these smaller shops, you know, a lot of times people are just the people that are working there oftentimes are the people that built it with their blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. And, you know you get their story and you get to talk to the people that really built this place, this, and the reasoning and the, and the passion behind it and everything. And I don't know, it just makes me feel more connected oh. to a place when I, when I meet people who are just really pouring their lives into the, what they're doing there.
2: And I have to say too, like, just because you think, just because um, something might be a little bit bigger, like you might have a bigger brewery or, Um, just because it happens to be a brew pub or they have several locations or you see their cans um, on the shelves because they distribute a lot. Um, But So generally, I used to be kind of turned off with breweries that had more than one location. But I'm learning more and more that it's just they want to expand their reach. And people want to enjoy the space of the brewery as well as the beer itself. And why not get it out there into a different neighborhood so more people can enjoy it? It completely makes sense. And just because you might have that uh, larger space, and this is kind of – I'm really not trying to – commercialize or commercialize this podcast by talking more about malt europe but it's the same idea with malt europe they're they are a very big company but Mm -hmm. their their employees and the way they um, the way they i guess interact with people and the way they build relationships it's like you're talking with a very small company who knows everything about you it's like they're extremely local and they give that care and commitment that you would expect from a little local bakery like caesar said or your local brewery you get that feel from them as well so I guess where I was going with that is just that that local piece that you can be a big company and still be local and still be very committed to community and fresh ingredients well and it's really
1: I think it's really in in a company like malt europe I'm going to use your 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 idea there with malt europe is like even though they're a very big company like you said their roots are in you know, that blood, sweat and tears. They, the company was founded by farmers a long time ago. That's how it started. No farm, it no was beer. was a co-op of farmers that created this company. And, you know, they've never forgotten that even. And now, you know, they're going into craft beer a lot and they're putting that love of it still. They're keeping that love through there and they're, you know, realizing it is a very community oriented thing so well hence why they're
2: celebrating the craft breweries that they work with because this isn't about them we are the ones who keep making it about them but they're celebrating right. the breweries that yeah. do all these wonderful that create all these wonderful beverages that we love
1: yeah so we're <laughs> not trying to turn it into a big commercial i already Mallory did Europe, too late but <laughs> their, back to sketchbook. Their, their malt is in a lot of the beers you drink out there you just never know it back to sketchbook. <laughs> <laughs> um but sketchbook yeah i mean they're you know you you guys know from listening to the podcast just talking with caesar for you know almost an hour there i mean there's there's that connection that that small tap room feel and stuff and no matter how big or small they are Uh, the way they started totally hooks me because, you know, it was that whole small little place that you had to go through an alley. There's no parking. You have to come up to the back door and had to find the place in the middle of another place with other people. It's kind of like a speakeasy kind of idea back in Prohibition days or something, even though it wasn't a speakeasy. But, it you know, it's that whole community supported brewery kind of thing where they weren't even like a full on even a they weren't even a big old tap room or anything yet they didn't it was just a place where you could go and get some beer but i just like it i just like it
2: they built com- <laughs> they built community from the beginning yeah and did. then the brewery became like an artist uh what's the word an artist canvas and then the craft beer just brought it all together it's like we've always 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 said craft beer is about more than you guys the beer. had to
1: see april's face right there because <laughs> she's like moving her hands and she's making all these big gestures while she's coming up with those magnificent words and painting a picture for you oh it was so good
2: (laughs) speaking of good yes we should drink
1: we probably should drink we should should drink
2: to sketchbook and oh my gosh keep those sketchbooks keep those keep the sketchbooks near you so you can keep creating too everybody can
1: Wow, you're really stretching there. I don't know.
2: Okay, does that mean it's time to go?
1: <laughs> I think it does. I think it does. I think we've run out of fancy words to say. So with that, we're going to cheers Sketchbook and Malt Europe. Thanks for helping us out on this. And you guys for tuning in. Cheers. Cheers. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, tell the show, tell your friends about the show if you like it. Tell your friends. And uh, yeah, keep listening. Thanks.
2: Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say, hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs